Hey, welcome back for another episode uh, of the podcast. I'm so glad to have you here because I know how difficult this journey can be. So today we are going to talk about free your mind to heal your brain from porn. And if you're on this journey, you know how difficult it can be to free your mind, especially at the beginning of the journey. So I want to break down a few really important concepts in today's podcast. So first, let's talk about what is your mind? Uh, you know, it's an interesting concept, and I know uh, different people have different ideas. What is your mind and what is the relationship to your brain and your body? So I'm going to give you my take on it. Um, from a neuroscience perspective and then just a personal perspective, we'll talk about the relationship mind, body, and brain. Then we're going to move on to the concept of freeing it. What is a free mind? I'm going to share the ideas of extension versus projection, how you can extend out your optimal brain performance pattern. You can extend it out and how your mind works and how your mind interacts with other people. And either you can extend love and grace and healing from your brain through your electromagnetic field, or on the contrary, you can project out the pain from inside. And what that looks like is shame and attack and arguing and being offended and angstiness and irritability, anger. So extension is happiness and love and joy. Projection is all that negative stuff. We're going to break that down. We're going to relate it back to your brain performance pattern. The extension uh, aspect of your mind, it's the optimal brain performance pattern. Projection is the less than optimal pendulum effect brain. So we're going to break that down. And then third, of course, I like to give you an action step. So third is going to be your brain hack for the day on how you can learn to stay in extension and extend so you can thrive and stay out of projection survival mode so you can rock out your best life. So let us dig in. Okay, let's dig in. Free your mind and the rest will follow. Anybody remember that song? En Vogue from early 90s when this girl was at SUNY Geneseo and I can explicitly remember dancing around my college dorm to that song by En Vogue. Look it up. Yes, it is a girl power song, but I think it can be appreciated by all. Very good tune. Look it up and you will want to rock out and jam out to free your mind and it will help you free your mind so that you can heal your brain. Uh, okay, a free mind. What is it? A free mind is... Your mind is a tool. It's a tool for you to use. Now, like any tool, it can be used for positive or negative. So a tool, let's say you have a hammer. That is a tool. If you take that hammer and you build a house for Habitat for Humanity, you've just taken a tool and you've used it for good. Now, if you take that same tool and you bludgeon somebody with it, you have used the same tool for a very negative intent or purpose. We are talking about using your mind as a tool in this podcast episode. Your mind is there for the taking, for you to use. A free mind can be used well 
That's why I always say control your brain or it'll control you. When you control your brain, you have a free mind to be used in the way that you desire. If you are wrapped up in an addiction or a compulsion or your brain is controlling you, your mind is not free, unfortunately. So our goal is so you can free your mind so you use this tool well. Now, your mind is a tool. What does it do? Your mind is your thoughts. So your mind actually isn't your feelings. Your feelings are usually buried way deep down in your authentic self. But the way to access your feelings are to do so by your thoughts in your mind. How do you access your thoughts? You have to create time and space to see what you're thinking. But I will tell you, a lot of your thoughts are pre-programmed. You're programmed by other people. Your thoughts aren't even your own. I know a lot of my thoughts are those of the people before me. And even as the words come out, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like, do I even believe that? Is that even my thought? And I will question my own thoughts so that I have a free mind to choose to think again. And what I try to do is create time and space so I can tap into my feelings. How do I really feel about this? And every outcome that I try to achieve in my life, and even it's the outcome of a conversation, the outcome is to achieve something, is to achieve a feeling. And usually my feeling is peace. I want to be at peace. How do I get to peace? And then I choose my actions of my mind and body based upon my feelings. So actions tend to be those of the body, another tool. Thoughts that inform those actions are of your mind. So you use your mind then to control your body. And those are the tools that fall out from your brain performance pattern. But what we're talking about here is a feedback loop. So when you use your mind in a certain way, it produces a certain behavior, which gets you a certain outcome, which then feeds back and it keeps locking in the brain performance pattern. Now, let's not talk about this conceptually. Let's talk about this actually. And let's refer to porn addiction or the compulsion to go back to porn. So, and this is how we're going to relate your mind, your body, and your brain together. So if you are wrapped up in compulsive sexual behavior disorder, that's what it's called in the International Classification of Diseases, the 11th re revision, the 11th edition, the revision, 11th time, International Classification of Diseases, dis-ease, not ease in the nervous system, not ease in the body. So... Compulsive sexual behavior disorder is the compulsion to go back to sex to feel okay. And we know it falls within compulsions. So if you're wrapped up in a compulsion, it is so that you're using your body and your mind to soothe the brain performance pattern that is lying underneath. The brain performance pattern that goes along with that is one that I call the pendulum effect. It's a brain pattern that's using much too much fast speed, much too much slow speed, and it keeps your brain swinging through the extremes all the way to the end of feeling anxious and wired and overdrive and hypervigilant, stressy, thinking all the time, rumination, on guard, 
That's out here in the very fast speeds, that highest speed that your brain could use. On the other side of the extreme is the slow brain pattern. It's the one that makes you feel tired, fatigued, overwhelmed. It's the one that gives you brain fog, lack of motivation. We know that when you go back into the screen to consume porn, it fries your brain out. Unfortunately, it literally knocks out functioning in the frontal lobe and desensitizes the reward center, which leaves your brain tired and fatigued and running slow. So the pendulum effect is the brain performance pattern that's using too much stress and anxiety, fast speed, too much overwhelm and fatigue, which is the slow speed. And your brain is swinging between these two extremes. So how'd your brain get that way? Well, if we go all the way back to childhood or adolescence, typically something's going on that's overwhelming someone. There's the discomfort, the dysfunction, the chaos, the trauma, the abuse, whatever it might be of childhood or adolescence, bullying that pushes you into the screen. So you're feeling overwhelmed and fatigued and stressed out and then you find porn and it floods your brain with dopamine and you feel good for a time. So your brain learns this brain performance pattern makes me feel not good. When I go into the screen, I feel good. So the pendulum effect brain was created and reinforced in adolescence or childhood. And every time you go back into the screen, you're reinforcing it. The way you reinforce it is when you go into the screen, you get the dopamine deluge, the flood that makes you feel good for a while. When you come out of the screen, you get the dopamine deficit, which means you feel bad. You actually feel worse if you never went into the screen. And thus it pushes you back into the screen as porn is pulling you back in and your brain will continue to cycle through that use pattern. So then what happens is your mind feels uncomfortable. You feel anxious, you feel stressy, you feel shame, you feel guilt. Social anxiety is so prevalent when it comes to porn use. You feel low self-worth, self-value is down, self-esteem decreases. Your mind is not a happy, comfortable place to be and it needs to be soothed. It wants to feel better. So your mind is the tool that's not being used well. It's being used for self-deprecation and not feeling enough. And it needs to be self-soothed from those negative feelings about oneself and others and life in the world around, which is a terrible place to be. So that uncomfortable mind necessitates self-soothing. And I promise you, I'm getting to the free mind. This is the captive mind. This is the brain pattern of porn addiction and the captivity that the mind feels, which then enslaves the body to follow the mind. And the body acts out and clicks the easy button to get porn going, to get that dopamine release flooding the brain and couples it with masturbation to make it feel even better with high levels of mental and physical stimulation. So the body and the mind are not being used well. That is a captive mind and body that is enslaved by pornography and that underlying brain pattern that needs to be self-soothed from discomfort or pain from the past. And it could be unresolved trauma or it could be discomfort, pain, or anguish or stress from the present 
depending upon what you have going on. So for many people, it's pain from the past that has not been resolved. Also with stress that is not being handled well in the present. And porn's become the stress reliever because you taught your brain to use it as a stress reliever when you were young. So that is the captive mind. What's the free mind? What's the free brain pattern? The free mind uses a brain performance pattern in the middle. It uses medium speed that feels good, calm focus. It is the zone, it's flow state. It's one of my favorite places to be where thoughts are coming, but you don't feel squirrely and all over the place. If you remember the movie Hoodwinked, one of my favorite movies from when the kids were young, it's actually super funny because it has a lot of adult humor in it, but it's a kid's cartoon, you know how that goes, but it's pretty funny. Uh, in there, there is a squirrel who is all over the place. And that reminds me of, you know, the opposite of this free mind. A captive mind is bouncing all over the place like the squirrel who just can't get enough um, and who's always overwhelmed, overstimulated, and he needs to be calmed down. And he also is looking for excessive stimulation. When your mind is in medium speed, it doesn't need that. It doesn't need to be calmed down. It doesn't need to be stimulated. It is calm and focused. That's a free mind, calm and focused. A captive mind is enslaved by something that calms it down and stimulates it simultaneously because it's out in the extremes. So a free mind is free to thrive and to be able to accomplish anything you want. So a free mind is what I like to call thrival. Yeah, I know it's not a word, but it's the opposite of survival. The pendulum effect, the captive mind, is in survival mode. So when you were young, you learned to survive and you needed to survive when you were young. So you're captive to, I just have to survive. So here's one takeaway for today. Do you still need to survive? Are you still caught up in just surviving? If you are, you gotta fix that, I'm sorry to tell you. And in my program and what we've talked about here on this podcast before is setting goals. And we really should get to, I should get to a podcast. I'm gonna write myself a note when I get done recording this that we're gonna talk about goal setting because that is another way to get out of survival mode and get into thrival mode if your brain can handle it. You gotta get your brain in the right place first to be able to get into thrival mode. So. Survival mode is I just get things done at the last minute and I just keep surviving. And a lot of people think they have ADHD. They're just stuck in survival mode because that's what they've learned to do across their lifetime. And if your brain is stuck in the pendulum effect in the extremes, that's all it can handle. It can only handle surviving. And I'm going to talk in a minute a little bit further about that. When you're in thrival mode, you can be creative you can implement new things. You can set goals and set small objectives and uh, obtain them and feel great doing it. You're in flow, you're in the zone. You can work hard, you can play hard. You can go do all the things that you need to do in your life and then you can come home and relax from it. It's amazing, that's the place I want people to be. But your brain has to be in that medium speed to be able to get into flow and into focus and to be able to implement those things. It has to come out of survival mode. Survival mode is a loop. It's just a loop. It keeps you spinning your wheels and it keeps you stuck. Thrival mode is an upward spiral and it's an amazing place to be. Um, okay, so now let's think about survival brain mode 
captive mind versus thrival brain mode, which is a free mind, and what that has to do with extension and projection. So let's start with survival, and let's think about how survival mode, the pendulum effect, anxiety, overwhelm, how it creates the projection of shame and pain. So if you don't feel good on the inside, and especially if you had an eight hour binge last night and you feel transparent, like people can see that on you, and now you show up and you have to interact with a new colleague at work who's a woman, you're having a hard time with eye contact, it's because of that feeling inside of shame and that feeling inside of pain and you project it out from you and it creates the behaviors of the mind and the body. You don't feel well, you don't feel like enough. You might get in an argument with someone because you're projecting that internal pain out to that person. You see things as attacking you and you feel like people are insulting you because you're always on red alert for pain or for anything that's coming at you to harm you, when you're always looking for things that harm you, you find things, whether they actually were intended to harm you or not. You're in survival mode. You're looking for things that you might have to survive from, hypervigilance. And so like for one example, if you have a partner and your partner says something, it becomes an argument because you automatically perceive the comment as I'm not enough. And it's because you're feeling not enough on the inside, it's projected out onto your partner's comment coming back at you, even though that's maybe what not wasn't intended at all. So when your brain is in a different mode and you're feeling good from the inside, your value is intact because you're on purpose. And the way out is to get on purpose and to create those goals. When you feel good and you know you've spent your day being on purpose in your work, you've spent your day being good to other people, not just in a self-pleasure loop. You've spent your day giving and enjoying it. And you've spent your day doing hobbies or activities that you like to do. And you are fired up. You're jazzed up about life. You're exuding love. When you do that, you extend that happiness and joy and love out from you and you're literally extending it out from you. These different feelings that I'm talking about correlate to the two brain patterns that I'm talking about. Survival mode, pendulum effect. Thrival mode, medium, optimal, optimal speed. So when you're in survival mode and you're using the pendulum effect, your electromagnetic field, the field of energy around you, resonates at a very low resonance frequency, 20. That's the lowest it can get. When you're, when you're resonating at 20, that's a negative energy field. People feel it. If you've ever been around someone and you've walked away like, that dude's got a problem, that person is emitting low resonance energy field because of the way that their brain is performing. It literally goes out from you. It's projected out from you, not only in the way that you talk and the way you use your mind by sharing your thoughts or by using your body by using your eyes to check people out in projection because you're looking for dopamine hits with your eyes to offset the pain inside. It's also electromagnetically shot out from your body. Basically, you create a field around you and our fields attuned to each other. We will pick up people's energy fields. When you're using medium speed, thrival mode, optimal brain mode, you're exuding the positive energy up near 500 
the energy of love and peace and happiness. And that's coming off of you. And you don't even have to say a word. People can feel it. And then, of course, you do speak. And it's all kindness. And it's all trying to help people. And then when you act, you're acting in kindness. I can always tell where my husband's at because it'll his behaviors... He tends to flip-flop a lot more than I do. So we're, we were going up to our friend's house the other night. And, and historically speaking, there's a stop sign right in front of our house, but it's not like the busiest road. But we're the only ones who come up the cul-de-sac in our house. There's only a few houses on it. So a lot of the people just go straight through the stop sign so they don't completely stop and they don't look in our cul-de-sac. So we have to be extra careful because if you shoot out, people won't see you. So, you know, when the hubs is in a good place, he'll take extra time. And actually, he just loves to do this, which might show where he is a lot of the time. But uh, he shoots out and then he's like waving to the guy, a guy the other night, a neighbor, a neighbor. He's waving a neighbor. I'm like, seriously, Friday night, you're waving a neighbor right now about this stop sign where when I pull out and actually I do this everywhere and my kids love it. They comment on it all the time. If anybody cuts me off, I'll go, hey, friend. You know, I call everybody friend and now my kids do it. I'll go, hey, friend, welcome to my lane, friend. Because <laughs> if someone cuts me off, I'll be like, welcome to my lane. There you go. I'm happy to let any person in the entire universe in front of me at any time. Like, here you go. Welcome in. If you need to get into my lane so bad, I'm absolutely going to let you in to try to make your day better. That's extension. I'm feeling great on the inside. And I'm, I want everybody else to feel great. I am here to do what you need me to do to make you feel great. I'm here for it. That's my job in humanity is to help you. Because when I extend love, I am helping to heal other people's brains. That's why I'll tell people, we can seriously heal the world one brain at a time. Now, as we move to the brain hack for the day, the brain hack is do what you need to do to get your brain to extension to thrival, to optimal brain performance speed because it will come off you in your electromagnetic field and you will be able to use your mind to share love and kindness and happiness through your words and through your actions of your mind and your body. And then you will have the self-value. Now, this is something that's really important is how do you change your mind? How do you do that? People ask me this all the time, like, how do I change my thoughts? If my thoughts are pre-programmed from the past, how could I possibly change my own thoughts with my thoughts? Like, it's impossible to change distorted thoughts with the system that created those distorted thoughts. That's why joining a program is so important. And that's why I've created the program that I've created. And if you don't want to work in my program, just think of it this way. This is why you need a program. Because if you have your own thought system, you are your own teacher. And you're going to teach yourself the stuff you already know. I'm always in programs all the time. I have coaches. I join digital programs all the time because I know I can't teach myself stuff I don't know. I need somebody else to teach me what I don't know. And it's amazing because then I keep growing and transforming and evolving into the person that I want to continue to become. So you can't teach yourself new, new things. You don't know them. You need somebody else to. And so when, when I teach people in my program how to unwire those old patterns and that old programming and to start questioning them and to resolve the trauma of the past, 
to investigate, explore, integrate, process, and allow the dysfunction and the discomfort and the pain of the past to leave your nervous system, we create more neuroplasticity. When I teach people to use brain training, neurofeedback in the present to rewire their brain, and then they're able to rewire their brain with their mind and their body, and this is how, this is what I'm getting to, through action steps, you have to take new action steps because then you can think differently and behave differently. New action steps to rewire your brain to keep moving in the right direction. That's what I do in the rewire section of my program. In my program, we have the hardwire section to create goals, which I am gonna to touch upon still just in one second, to create goals to move forward and to anchor into the future so it can pull you forward so that you can hardwire your brain into that optimal mode. So now, if something negative happens to you, negative is just a perception. And the coolest thing about perception is it exists on a continuum from really negative to really positive. Any negative thing can fluctuate up to positive. Somebody cutting me off, I try to have empathy. I try to think that person is having a rough day. They need to cut me off abruptly. I need to help them out so they can have a better day so I can help heal their brain and help send them in the right direction, uh, which I don't think I talked about it. Did I talk about it on the podcast yet where my husband's car broke and two guys, I keep meaning to put the picture on Instagram. I got to do it. Uh, two guys just stopped and helped him with, I think I did talk about it last week, helped him with his car. Like humanity's good. Ultimately, people are good. They're doing the best that they can. But on any given day, there might be a wounded soul who's not using the best brain pattern, isn't making great choices of the mind and the body and cut them a break. And when you cut them a break, you help to heal them because you're extending that positive brain pattern. Okay, let's move on just for a minute to goal setting and then we'll wrap it up for the day is that setting goals, when you think about goals and in my program, we break down uh, I think it's 11 different areas of goal setting and the goal setting isn't necessarily to become overachievers, you know, to go from underachieving to overachieving. That is definitely not the goal because I'm not trying to breed a bunch of overachievers. What I am trying to do is to help people figure out who their authentic self is and have the courage to be that version, to be on purpose and to be well-intended of the you that you want to be, that so many people aren't being. And I know for me, I am constantly learning about old patterns that I am still using, that I don't want to use, that I don't even know I'm using. And I'm my mind is literally blown all the time as I continue to do work. And I'll be like, oh my gosh. And then you know what happens when I learn about these patterns? It stirs the pot. And when the pot gets stirred, then... I get motivated for change and then I have to have the courage and move towards it to make the changes because changing your patterns is really hard once you learn about them. You have to change it through consistent action steps. So one example is uh, my coach actually, whom uh, I really enjoy working with. And you know how coaches go? Sometimes it's like absolutely off the charts. Other times you get a little ditty, you get a little bit from them. But my coach recommended a book and it's on finances and organizes organizing your finances for business. And I'm pretty good at that, but there's a couple things I'm not doing. And then I realized that 
the the things that I do are because of the way that my parents manage money. And then thinking about my hubs, he manages money completely different than I do. And I was thinking that a lot of the challenges that we have in our relationship, not that it's bad, it's just, it's not like we have challenges or fights about it. It's just that there really is an incongruency in the way that we manage money. And it does go back to personality types, which I teach people about in my program. So I'm a type five. Type fives have avarice. So basically what that means is when I make money, it's difficult for me to spend money. So I definitely teach my kids value purchasing. I don't spend a lot of money on myself. Very difficult for me to do that. I have to have to force myself to buy myself treats because I'm always telling you, if you want to keep achieving what you're achieving, you have to reward yourself. So I have to force myself to reward myself so that I keep moving forward, following my program where, and I love to work. I work all the time. So I work really hard and I don't spend money. My husband loves to play. So he's not a, he works hard, of course, but he's not an overworker and he loves to spend money. He's an eight and personality types eights like to spend money on physical things. So he likes to have a nice car. He likes to buy expensive stuff. So this is the thing that blew my mind the other day. It's like our personalities are so different and our spending habits and our money earning habits are so different, like mind blowing. And I mean, I obviously I've seen this, but I've connected some dots between them where it's like, that's pretty wild. And we learn them from our parents. Like I totally manage money the way my dad did and my hubs manages money the way his dad did. And so now the goal is we, and we've been working on this for a long time. We meet in the middle. I spend more money than I typically would. He saves more money than he typically would. Would I work less than I feel like I want to? He works more than he feels like he wants to. And we end up being a really good pair because we are constantly, not one and done, but constantly pulling each other out of the pre-programmed patterns of finances. I thought that was pretty interesting as I'm organizing the last little bit of my finances. I'm like, wow, that is really crazy. And honestly, you know what I was thinking about, which this is totally too much information, but here it comes, is that I was thinking like, as we plan towards retirement, that's a weird place to be in because in retirement, do we just keep spending a lot of money like he likes to do? Do we save more money than I like to do? Or do we keep going in this way? So I'm like, that's kind of interesting thinking about having to plan for retirement with two totally different spending styles where right now we both have our own businesses. So it's a little bit more segmented food for thought there. A little too much information, but that's okay. Hopefully it makes a good point. Because, you know, when you're talking about these things with your partner, like navigating these stressful things with your partner, that's part of the deal. So, and I've been coaching people this week about this, saying, approach your partner and start talking about this thing. This thing that's important to you, but isn't important to her, let's start talking about it. And you know what it's going to do? It's probably going to frustrate her a little. Is she going to die? No. Are you going to die? No. Is it going to create a little discord? Probably. Can you handle it? Absolutely. That's what I got going on right now. Uh, but that's okay. Cause you know what it's going to do. It's going to move into the other side and I'm going to continue to have the growth and I'm going to have better understanding about what we can do in the future to stay on the same page. So it's pretty cool. Um, and so kind of one more analogy when it comes to extension and projection is, and we're going to do another financial analogy, which I had planned is that I heard this a long time ago that when you interact with people, you can think of it like a bank. 
So, and I thought of this because I always try to deposit in other people's accounts. So when you walk up to a person or you have an interaction, you can either deposit in their account or you can make a withdrawal. And the choice is always yours. But I will tell you, going back to control your brain, is that it's difficult to make the choice to deposit if you don't have that feeling of self-esteem and self-value and you're not having that feeling of calm, focus, exuding joy and happiness coming from you. It's very difficult to deposit if you're in a bad place. When you're in a bad place and you're using the pendulum effect brain pattern, you end up withdrawing from other people's accounts. So now you're interacting with people and you're cranky and you yell at people and you correct people and you stay away from people and you don't add to their lives. Those are withdrawals. So if every time you interact with a person, you're giving them some crap or you're being a jerk, you're making a snide comment, you're irritable, you are correcting them, guess what? You're withdrawing. If every time you see your kids, you yell at them, you're withdrawing. So here's the action steps for today. Think about people and your interactions with them and how you're using your mind. Use your mind to extend, to deposit into their bank account, to their emotional bank account when you see them. Don't withdraw. If you withdraw, if you walk up to somebody and you give them a comment, actually, I was standing in line at the store the other day and there was a gentleman and he was explaining something to another worker. They weren't, he wasn't training them. He was just explaining something for a second. The lady in front of me said, is this a training session in a real, you know, snotty voice to the two of them? And the gentleman's like, I'm just explaining the gentleman who's working. I'm just explaining something to him, ma'am. We'll be right with you. And the woman goes, are you having a training session on my time? That's a, that's a withdrawal. That gentleman's teaching the other gentleman something for one minute. Of course, when I get up there, I'm like, hey, how you doing today? And they go, pretty good. How can I help you? And actually, that guy came around the counter and spent way too much time trying to help me find the thing that I needed to find. And I was, I was with my son who's like, how do we lose this guy? And I'm like, he's here to help us, man. Let's just go with this. And it was really cute. But because he met my energy, which is good, and he just had a negative experience. He's trying to get all he can get from having a positive experience with me. I'm there to deposit. Of course, I need to figure out where I can find that item, but I'm there to deposit all day long. Be the depositor today, okay? Think about that. It'll go a long way. If you accidentally withdraw, turn around and deposit. And think about your goals. Get on purpose because the only way you're going to fire yourself up from within is to be on purpose in your life. If your job is less than what you want it to be, figure out how you can get to the place that you want to be. I'm doing this also in my business. I have way too many appointments. It's draining me. It's killing me, honestly. I'm I'm just way too busy. So we have to change things in my coaching program where I've hired coaches. I have Zach Carter. I have Curtis who's joining me to be my home neurofeedback coach. So there's going to be more meetings with other people and group meetings with me. It has to be done to preserve what's important to me, which is to help as many people as possible. And it's going to be amazing. So I'm showing up and making that conversion and it's going to take me some time. But in the end, I'm going to stay on purpose and do the thing that I want to do and not have it become a negative experience. 
That's what you can do in your work. Figure out the pieces that aren't working. You don't just shut the whole thing down. Figure out what isn't working and fix it. Have the strength and the courage to move towards it. Engage with it. Approach it. Literally, that's what the book that my coach taught me, that told me to to read, is approach your problems and actually look at them. Don't have fear. Look at them and figure it out and then approach and take care of it. In your relationships, if something isn't working, say, hey, babe, can I talk to you about this? And it might not be solved in one conversation, but you begin the channels of healthy communication. And in your hobbies or in activities that you like to do, it's important to do them. And it's important to fill your days with them. A full life doesn't have to be a busy life, but it's an engaged life. And I was using, I was talking to one of my clients the other day, using my husband as an example, is that he loves to wash his car. He'll spend like, you know, two hours washing the car. I would never wash the car. That Actually, I don't wash the car at all. Never mind. Um, spend a lot of time doing it. But I do spend a lot of time cooking, which that feels good to me. So those are activities that should get done or have to get done, but that we engage with them in a healthy way to fill our time. It's not like we're spending all of our time surfing. We're doing the things that we need to do, but the things that we like to do, and we can balance that out. So get on purpose in your work, in your relationships, and in your hobbies, and your life will be such a great place. There will be no need to escape. Okay. I hope that helps you out. And if you're looking for help on the journey, please go over to my website. We have programs of different shapes and sizes. There's digital programs, there's neurofeedback coaching programs. And of course we have a combination so that we can meet your needs and show up for you. Um, okay. Until next time, I'll see you then.